Welcome, friends, to the trifecta of joy. What is the trifecta? Awareness, befriending your inner critic, and raising your vibration. This podcast is about you, your life, your adventure, and how to live it juicy. Our show is an invitation to help, to honor your unique life journey, have empathy for the stickiness that is your human experience, to build a space of truly loving yourself and creating presence so you can live with more joy. We're in this together, connected, sharing, and adventuring through life, even the tough stuff. So let's do it with joy, shall we? Heidi Dunstan, it is so good to have you back. I was looking and realized that our last episode together was episode six. Wow. I can't even believe it. And now we're on to episode 47. And I'm so honored to have you back. Thanks so much, my friend. And congrats. That's a huge undertaking. Nice work. It's been really fun, too. I get to meet awesome people and I get to share amazing people like you with the world. Uh, thank you. And I, and I love the fact that you continue to amplify your message and the people's messages around you. Mm, thank You're a you gift. You are a gift. And we share a really special connection. And it's not a connection that most people want to share, which is one that we are both widows. And yet we have completely different experiences. And where I often work with people who are in their own depths of grieving very fresh and working through that, you have the ability to help people who are around them mm -hmm. to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's why I do what I do because there's so many people that can support those that are grieving, but I learned in my grief process. And I think all grievers can say this is that when they're going through grief, the people around them don't know what to say. And it means that they end up grieving alone or with just their grief counselor or coach. And I'm like that we got to change that. We can do this better. And you know, Heidi, as you know, I have, in addition to Perfectly Imperfect Light Coaching, I also had the universe drop an opportunity into my lap where I returned to the schools as a teacher counselor and wellness team lead. And what is so interesting about that is that one of the themes that I see in so many of these kiddos and the staff and the families is obviously grief and loss on the heels of the pandemic. And in addition to that, we also have an opioid crisis in our part of the world. So some of the kiddos that I see are literally losing family members or community members by the day. Yeah. By the day. the day. And those are adult problems that kids are having to face. Yes right? Those are big. Yeah. They're not meant for little people. They're not. And the hard part is, is that these little people look like adults and they carry themselves like adults. And yet they are not adults. Their brains are not fully developed and they're relying on the people around them to support them through this. And that's a big piece of why I have you here. 
No, thanks, my friend. And and I think the reality is, is that there's so many people around them that just don't have the tools either because we don't talk about grief because I truly believe it's because I think we are afraid to talk about it because it makes it real that we're all going to die. Yeah. And here's the reality. We're all going to freaking die. We're born to die. We're living to die. Right. And it's about what you do in the middle of that life piece that makes a big difference in my opinion. But to just avoid grief, to avoid not talking about it, to avoid the people that are around us that are grieving because we don't know what to say. And I truly believe it's fear. I I truly believe that it's, I'm going to fuck up the words. And so it's better to say nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is when somebody's grieving, that silence is deafening. That silence hurts them to their core. And when we do fuck up the words, and and it happens, I, I do it. Because griefs as individuals are fingerprint, and we all move through it differently. And I might say something that would work for somebody one day, and then they've moved on and moved, not moved on, but moved through some emotions. And what I said the one day won't work the next day. And that's completely okay. But the reality is I'm trying to catch up, and I don't necessarily know where that person is. And all we have to do is say, hey, that didn't come out right. Or a griever has to say, hey, that doesn't land for me today. And I know you're doing the best you can. We just need some grace. I always say, let's grieve with grace because it's hard and it's sticky and it's mucky. And there isn't the, on day one, you say this. And on day seven, you say this. And on day nine, you do this. And at the one year mark, you do this. It's a hot mess. And be okay with that. And I really appreciate that you said that grief is as unique as our fingerprint. Because I've had conversations with people this week who have experienced significant loss. One person that I spoke to who's quite deep in grief right now is a widow and she has a new partner and her new partner is like, are we going to go down that road again? Or you've got to get over this. And I always say that grief is not something you get over. It's something you move through, right? And as someone who supports grievers, like you said, What you say one day may work for someone and it may not land the next. However, I will say that for anyone who is listening, and I think you will agree with me, Heidi, suggesting that someone should at some point be over it is actually trying to place your own expectations on someone else. Oh man, it's all filled with stuff. So let's unpack it a bit. Okay. So to to begin with, widows dating and widowers dating, it doesn't matter. When people decide to move into another relationship, it's messy, right? And I hate this, but it really does take a special person to to love somebody who's lost somebody because we still love our person. You still love John. I still love Mike. And we live in a world where people who want to date us would prefer some, many people, not all people, would rather we hate an ex-husband or an ex-wife than love somebody who's dead. Yes. And I've had to say to people, if I could love Mike as much as I've loved him, and you see that when I grieve, because I believe grief is love, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't hurt if we didn't love our people. Mm -hmm. And so I will grieve Mike and I will love Mike to the last breath I take. No different than what you do with John. Yes. But if I can love somebody that deeply, wouldn't you want to be loved that deeply? And so when I go into dating, if somebody's like, they'd rather me be angry and pissy with somebody who's still alive that I can run into at a restaurant or at a mall or whatever, 
you'll never run into my ex because I don't have one. He's in the ground, right? Like, but I love him. And that love can look like, wow, I miss Mike and I wish he was here. Or that could look like I'm a sprinkler and I'm crying and it's sad. But it doesn't mean that the new person in my life isn't important. And lots of people call it their chapter two, right? Nora McInerney, she calls it her current husband. Because a lot of people think it's your ex when somebody dies. They're not your ex. I still love him. I didn't choose to divorce him. So be gentle with people and know Mm -hmm. that if you're dating somebody who's lost a spouse or a partner, know that you probably want to be loved that deeply too, right? It's, It's no different when you have kids. You have one child. Do you stop loving them when you have a second child? Love doesn't work well, that way. I'm just kidding. What's going on at your house? Right? No kidding. I'm just kidding. I am kidding. No. And then, then when you get bonus children, does that mean you stop loving your other children? No, that's not how it works. That's, that's not, not how true. love works. Yeah. No. And then you talked about the, you got to get over it and you're stuck. Mm. And that's judgment. Mm-hmm. that's totally judgment. And I believe judgment is grief's kryptonite. I believe that when we judge ourselves or when we judge others, it stops connection. And because grief is as individual as our fingerprint, grief is filled with fucking judgment, filled with it. Why'd they take off their wedding band? Why are they still wearing it? Aren't they over it yet? It's been five weeks. Oh, yeah. now they're dating, right? It's filled yeah. with judgment. It is. Why haven't they cleaned out the closet? Why did they clean out the closet so quickly? Why are his shoes still by the door? Why aren't his shoes by the door? Where are his photos? Why are there so many photos? It goes on and on and on. And I always say to people, you watch this show, America's Got Talent. Yes. You know, when they hit the golden buzzer. Yes. Do people who get the golden buzzer, do they celebrate the same? No. Oh. Somebody gets the golden buzzer and somebody could be running around the stage going crazy. Other people stand there and cry. Some people just stand there and tremble. Some collapse and have a moment, right? Other people you can see they're totally soaking it all in. Or they might be having a moment with their creator because their dream is coming true. We never judge how we celebrate, but we always judge how people move through pain. And isn't that interesting because it is fear-based and it's a fear of our own pain, right? Well, and the problem is, is because grievous as individuals are fingerprint, we think I wouldn't do it that way. Right. And we have a really hard time about loving people exactly where they're at. And that's all grief needs to be done is love people exactly where they're at. Let them be where they need to be. If you're at a restaurant and they're bawling their eyes out, don't turn around and say, oh, please don't cry. You'll make me cry too. Or try to shuffle me out the door. Be like, thank you for sharing your tears with me. I see that this is impacting you right now. And I'm honored to be with you. And I'm honored to be with you. And I come back to the acronym HELP. If you want to be with a griever, honor their experience of the past and of the present. Show true empathy and be with them accepting where they are. Show up with love and presence. You don't have to fix it. You can't fix a dead person. You cannot. Thank you. You cannot fix a dead person. However, what you can do is shine light on the fact that the reason a person is grieving is because they've experienced love. And it does not always have to be romantic love. It is love. It is caring. And the other thing that people think is, oh, why is so-and-so grieving the loss of a neighbor so deeply, for example? And every relationship in our life is very, very different. And it is amazing how 
we can be touched by someone in literal moments and feel their love or feel love for them and therefore experience grief for them on a different level as well. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be a spouse. And lots of people go, oh, the hardest ones are children and, and spouse. And yeah, they are hard. I don't have kids, but I've witnessed it. But I can tell you that the people around me that pass in the summertime, I had a friend pass away. And was she my best friend? Was she somebody I talked to every day? No. Did I cry? Yeah. Do I think about her? I was flipping through photos. I was on a flight yesterday and I was like, there's my friend and I really miss her. Because she was just somebody I could be like, hey, the Junos are in town. Do you want to go? She's like, yeah, it's right in between my chemos. And yeah, like she just, she lived life fully. Even with cancer, she didn't stop. And so we get to love our people. Part of the gift of grief is also the fact that we get to live people's legacies. We get to live the memories and the things that they've left behind for us. There's times where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing that. Oh, but she would do that. So you know what? I'm going to do it in honor of her. Because mm. She taught me, don't let life pass you by. I mean, she was the same age as me. She's young. And now I'm like, I'm going to make the most. So we get to live people's legacies, right? It's no different. Mike was somebody who, he was a first responder. He always gave to people. He did it in small, anonymous ways. And now I get to do that. And so when all of a sudden people are like, hey, you're still talking about that Mike guy? I'm like, I'll talk about Mike till I die. Because I believe it's actually my duty. It's my duty to carry on his legacies. That's what our duty is of those left behind is to carry on the legacy. Well, and is it duty? That's the magic. It's partly duty. I also think it's opportunity. And I think legacy is so fascinating to me because we all do legacy differently. Sometimes it's what would that person do? And sometimes it's as simple as a story. So last night, for example, I was at a Woods Homes fundraiser dinner. I also have a podcast about Woods Homes because I really believe in the work that they do. And it's a really important organization that supports youth and families. And I ran into someone who said to me, oh my gosh, we've never met, but my partner used to work with John. And I've heard so many stories about you that I feel like I know you. And I've heard so many stories about him that I feel like I know him. And it is those beautiful little moments where legacy lives on in simple, gorgeous ways. Rather than her having a fear of bringing up John or any of that, she stepped into it bravely, if you will. Takes courage, right? Right. It takes courage. And she could have fucked it up. She could have felt like she was going to mess it up and then not said anything. But she took the courage and we shared a really beautiful moment as a result. That's the magic of legacy. Yes. Is when somebody has the courage and you are like, you know what? I'm going to embrace this moment. You could put your armor up, which we all do because Mm -hmm. we're afraid that it's going to get hard or look at all these strange people at a dinner and I'm going to cry. But you leaned in. I I tell people lean into grief. Those moments when you feel like you want to run away or you want to avoid a conversation. Those are the moments you're meant to lean in. And that's exactly what she did. She leaned in. And it was beautiful because I leaned back in and we shared a moment. And it wasn't a complex moment. It wasn't a heavy moment. It was a beautiful moment of feeling and being seen by one another. And it's magic. And it's simple. Yeah. I'm jumping in here because 
I have to share some exciting news with you. Pay close attention because this is going to be short-lived for now. Self-Love Rebel, a 50-day journey to finding your juiciest inner truth and connecting to your true potential is ready for pre-order. You are given the tools, my friend, to literally awaken the self-level to literally awaken the self-love rebel within you and connect with that fierce, compassionate, and empowered person who's unafraid to claim her space in the world. The link to grab it for yourself is in the show notes. Please, if this speaks to your heart and if you're ready, it's ready for you. Now, let's get back to Heidi and her awesomeness. I love you. One of the things, Heidi, that you taught me that I think that every one of our listeners can use and put in their toolkit for the rest of their lives is if they are given an opportunity to be with someone and they have that awkwardness around what to say when someone is grieving, instead of using, how are you doing? You house today today, or how's your heart just actually checking in on that person in the now. I actually very rarely ask somebody, how are you now? I'm like, Hey, where are things at? How's your day going? You know, because when we say, how are you? We're supposed to say good, fine or okay. And the reality is, is we get asked all the time to lie every single day. And when you're grieving, you're none of those, especially in the early days, weeks and months and and Mm. even years of grief. You know, Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody who she lost her husband three months ago, four months ago. And she's like, people are telling me that year two is harder than year one. And I'm like, the way I relate it is year one is like you've gone through major dental surgery and you're frozen and numb and you just kind of are a zombie and you move through the motions. And year two is the freezing is coming out and it hurts. And that's where you start to see all the places that they're supposed to be and the things they're supposed to do. And it's hard. And she's like, okay, that makes sense. She's like, I can't believe it's harder than what I'm going through. And I said, it's just different hard. And when we can just love people exactly where they're at, instead of this is what you should be doing. You know, we leave the shoulds out of the conversation and just be like, hey, I see it's hard today. Or I see that today you're able to honor your person. Or may I share a story about your person, like last night's dinner, right? Where somebody Mm -hmm. leaned in. When we could just be with people and not pretend that there isn't an elephant in the room and the elephant's a dead person and just be like, hey, I see you. I see this is hard. I see you hurting in this moment. And I'm here for you in this moment. Yeah, don't the the, call me if you need me. Call me if you need anything. Say, hey, how can I support you today? Allow somebody just to say, I'm good right now but I may need help tomorrow. Can I call you? Because I can tell you, like you and I probably had this. I've had hundreds of people say, call me if you need me. (laughs) Does that call ever get made? No. No. And and that's what I do. I mean, you and I've had that conversation some days. I'm like, how can I support you today? What what is it you need right now? Because I'm here, present. And I am offering my heart and my being to you in this space to support you in what you are in period. Yeah. 
and know that as a griever, it's okay to get help. It's okay to let somebody see you when you're not at your best because there's beautiful pieces of grief and the beautiful pieces is when you allow people to connect with you, when you allow for that connection, when somebody, I mean, Tanya, that conversation last night could have been very different if you'd been like, oh, that was great. Thanks. Well, and oh, totally. And, you know, it brought me to something else that I wanted to chat with you about Heidi. And that was that at the event last night, there was a tribute to a community member who recently passed away and her family and partner were at the event. And I was sitting at a table with really lovely people. And one of the women across the way kept talking about how strong this woman's daughter and her partner are in the face of this. And I felt myself have this incredible visceral reaction. So I just sat quietly with it because I thought I'm not going to comment on strong because what we do as people that surround grievers is we want them to be strong. We want them to be resilient. We want them to move on and forward because we don't want to actually acknowledge that pain and be in that pain and in that grief ourselves, especially if it's someone we love. I hate strong. I hate strong too. I, I hate it because for so long we've used it as a badge of honor. Too long way too long. And it is a badge I took off my chest a long time ago. And when Mike died and people are like, you're so strong. I didn't feel strong. I was shattered. And And I believe when people say you're strong, it's their way of saying, I don't want to deal with this. I don't have the capacity or the capability to deal with this. So I'm just going to tell you you're strong because I can't do what you're doing. And it left me doing it by myself. Yeah. And I really hope that our listeners let that land on their hearts, that when you tell someone who is grieving that they are strong, it is often internalized as taking and stripping away the permission to be vulnerable. And I think what it also does is it really creates that disconnect because when somebody's grieving, they're not strong. They don't feel strong. They do feel broken. They've lost their person. Their world doesn't make sense right now. Like literally Mike had a massive heart attack and my world turned upside down and inside out in an hour. And I had to figure everything out. I went from a double income to a single income overnight. My everything changed in my life, how I ate, how I slept, what I did, who I saw, everything changed. I wasn't strong. And so what I say to people is I see how much courage it takes for you to be here right now. Oh, let's say that one again. I see how much courage it takes for you to be here right now. I Acknowledge see. the action. Because let me tell you, when you're going through grief, there are days when getting out of bed is almost impossible. It is the win. Right? Like yes. you get out of bed, that's a success. You show up to something and people see you. It takes a lot of courage for you to be here. I know that it's not easy. Yeah. You get to the grocery store that day, that's a win. It's a win. And I mean, the grocery store is a whole other conversation. We could talk about grocery stores and grief for an hour. We easily. (laughs) Easily, right? I mean, when you all of a sudden acknowledge the action that they're taking, we see you. We see that this isn't easy. I mean, I lost 30 pounds after Mike died in three months. And, and I'm, I'm needed to lose it. I got some extra on me. But people were like, you look fabulous. I had one friend who said, have you lost all this weight? Because you're not eating. 
acknowledge the fact that people want and need to be seen and, and, and lean into those uncomfortable conversations. Hey, it's gotta be hard eating alone. Can I have you over for dinner? Can I send you home with leftovers? I see you. I see that your world is different. And I'm acknowledging the fact that I want to be with you in this moment. I want to walk with you. There is so much power in the simplicity. And again, Heidi, it always comes back to seeing and being seen. And this is where I talk about vibration. And this is exactly what this is. The reality is, is that the vibration of grieving can be heavy and it can be hard, but we can bring that lightness and that love in the simplest ways by just showing up, just and, showing up. And knowing that if you fuck it up, all you have to do is say, gosh, this is hard. And I stuck my foot in my mouth. I'm sorry. That's yeah. all you have to say. Yep. That's what, as a griever, I know it's uncomfortable. Yep. You turn around and you leave it. A lot of people, and I've done it myself. I remember I, I met a guy and somebody told me that his brother had passed. And I just said, may I ask when you lost your brother? He's like, I didn't lose my brother. He fucking died. And I went into my turtle shell. And I was like, oh, right? It's easy to go there. Yeah. But have the same amount of courage. Takes the same amount of courage for me to step up and go, you're right. Your brother did die. And I just wanted to let you know that I see that Losing a brother is a significant loss, which is way different than I'm sorry for your loss. I yeah. want to acknowledge his pain because we don't do that very well in our culture. We don't acknowledge people's pain very well because we don't like pain. And so turn around and say, losing a parent is a significant loss and my heart goes out to you is a way different sentence than I'm sorry for your loss, which is what we're trained to say. Yes. And all you have to do is go on Facebook to see how many people will put, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. And again, I'm sorry for your loss. If that is your starting point, it's better than saying nothing. Agreed. However, if you can take a step beyond that and offer an opportunity to connect or help that person feel more seen in their experience... The invitation is there and they are waiting for that love to arrive. Oh, totally. People want to be seen. And when we live in pain, we tend to move small because the pain is big. Yes. And so when people can turn around and, and acknowledge the pain, it's like, thank you for seeing me because I feel really insignificant compared to what's around me. And when we can turn around and say, hey, I see you and I see this isn't easy. I see that you're hurting. It can make such a big difference. And think about it. The hard part with our grief culture is that we know what to do up until the service, the funeral, and maybe a week or two after. After that, we don't do anything. We don't know how. We've well, we go back to our normal lives if we're around the griever and just assume that the griever's okay. Yeah. We with assume. the exception of anniversaries or meaningful dates. Exactly. And sometimes it could be that simple is to pop in your calendar on a yearly reoccurrence this is the day that Mike died and make sure that you send a message to say, I'm sending you a hug today. Please don't send today must be a hard day for you because you don't get to tell them how they feel. Mm -hmm. so I'm sending you a hug today. I know this is the day that you lost your person and I wanted you to know you're in my thoughts. And you do that year two, year three, year four, when nobody acknowledges it anymore. I was just chatting with a friend in August and his spouse died four years ago. And he said, there was two people, me and one other person who messaged him to say, I'm thinking about you today. And he's like, 
it bothers me that nobody remembers. Yeah. That me and my kids move through this day with very little people acknowledging it because their lives have continued to spin. And all we have to do is add it to our calendar. We have tools to do this. Our brains don't even have to remember. You know, when somebody loses their mom or their dad reaching out on Mother's Day and Father's Day saying, hey, I know this is the first year without your mom and I'm thinking about you. Yeah. That can go a long way of just acknowledging a birthday, things like that. I love it when people come up to me and they're like, I really miss Mike's hugs. Or I loved it when he did this and I was thinking about him. I love hearing about Mike. And I am so appreciative when people have the courage to come and share those stories with me because it brings them back to life. That is legacy. Oh, totally. That is legacy. And I think when we actually acknowledge grief and we actually can hold space for people, that's when legacy's got the magic happens. Like legacy has been on my mind a lot lately. And I love that magic. I want to see more of it. I'm sad that so many people are dying and going into graves and we never hear about them again because we're too afraid to upset somebody. I'm okay if somebody comes and shares a story with me and it brings tears to my eyes. I'm okay with that. Share the damn story. I want it. Even if I'm going to cry. I'm not afraid of my tears. Well, tears water the seeds of growth. And tears are a healthy expression and way for us to move energy. I believe tears are the language of our heart. Mm, yes. When I cry, it's my heart speaking. Because I can cry till I'm laughing till I cry. I can cry just because I can cry. I can cry because I'm angry. Those are because I don't actually have the words to describe them. And it's my heart saying, hey, this stuff needs out of you. You need to share this with the world. And I'm okay and it- witnessing that. And it comes as waterworks. And yes, and that's, I think, another piece too, is being open to witnessing tears and holding space for someone who has tears and letting them flow and giving people permission to cry. Because unfortunately, we do live in a society where some people actually need permission to cry. There's a whole gender that needs permission to cry. Isn't that the truth? I mean, the reality is, is we turn around and we're like, oh, don't cry. You'll make me cry too. Or here's a Kleenex, wipe up your tears. They're there for a reason. And when all of a sudden I cry with somebody, it means we are on the same level. I am with you. Yes, I am with you. I am honoring your journey and I am here present with you. You're the best grief gift I ever got. So it was the day after my husband died. I mean, my husband had a heart attack on our driveway. So my neighbor was there with me while they're working on him on the driveway. And the next day, he knows I'm a sprinkler. He showed up instead of with flowers, showed up with the Costco case of really good Kleenex. That is love. That's total love. And it it caused And the day was my birthday. My husband died the day before my 40th birthday. Real great timing. And he showed up and it, it caused laughter here's the shittiest day of my life. It's my 40th birthday, which isn't the best turning point in life. And then on top of that, I've literally just lost my partner and my neighbor shows up with Kleenex and we had a good laugh. I was like, dude, that's the best gift ever. That's way better than flowers. I'm going to use this for the next six months. (laughs) Right? Or less, depending on how it goes. But (laughs) the other piece of it is that he was open to whatever response was created, which in this case was laughter. 
And a lot of people need to acknowledge too, that laughter is a part of grief and people will lean into dark humor as part of their grieving process. And that's okay. I just did. I was like, it was really shitty timing for him to die the day before my birthday. Right? Yeah. Because he scheduled it, you know, it doesn't work like that. But I mean, I often say weird little quirks and people are like, that's kind of disrespectful. I'm like, that's the way Mike and I were. We used to poke little jabs and I still do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Heidi, I love sharing you with the world so much. Thank you again for being here. Really quickly, what is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they want more support leaning in when others are grieving? Awesome. Check me out on on my website, Heidi Dunstan, H-E-I-D-I-D-U-N-S-T-A-N.ca. There's a free toolkit on there. Check out the events page. I often run a complimentary masterclass. Come check it out. I want people to be able to grieve with grace together. And so I give you hands-on tools. I give you the words. People walk away and say, I actually had a conversation with somebody who was grieving and it didn't feel as bad as I thought it was. So come check it out. I would love to be able to share this with the world because we're all dying. So it means we're all going to grieve and I want us to do it together. Oh, Heidi, you are such a beautiful human. Go check out her website, my friends. You need to have Heidi in your life. I'm so grateful to have Heidi in mine. And until next time, Heidi, thank you for being here. I love you so much, my friend. Oh, here we are. We love you. I love you. I love you. I know. I'll see you soon, I hope. Yes, I hope we do get an opportunity to see each other soon. And for those of you who are listening, Thank you for sharing your space, your heart, and your time with us. And until next time, you are so deeply loved. From the bottom of my heart, mwah! Thank you for listening, my friend. We are deeply grateful you chose to be here. I trust that this has invited you, even if in some small way, to deepen your awareness, befriend your inner critic, and raise your vibration. Please follow us, leave a review, and share this podcast with a friend. If you have any ideas or feedback, please reach out. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You are loved.